0: Hey, guys, welcome to tuning in to this edition of Let's Be Blunt with Montel, and I am so thankful to have the guest on that we have today. Back in 2018, Michigan became the first state in the Midwest to legalize the possession and sale of cannabis for adult use. But 2018 also marked a historic injustice when a husband and a father three was sentenced to five and a half years in prison for his operation of a Detroit city sanctioned medical cannabis dispensary. Joining me by phone from Michigan state prison, where he's now been incarcerated for three years and eight months of his five and a half year sentence for a victimless cannabis offense is Mr. Rudy Gamo. Rudy, thanks so much for tuning in with the calling in today, sir.
1: Hi, hi everybody. And uh, thank you for having me. Um, just want to say uh struggling here um still fighting the fight thank god uh the, the governor has uh accepted my uh application for a commutation um still I still have to go through the process of um the parole board, seeing the parole board and having a public hearing uh, it's a pretty lengthy process uh still fighting the fight to get released but uh Huge injustice! How Michigan is treating uh, cannabis prisoners.
0: I, I let's go back for a minute. To tell us a little bit about now. Uh, there was a gray market in cannabis in in Michigan from 2010 to 2016. Tell me why this even existed.
1: Uh, what happened in, in that era was that uh, the state had legalized medical marijuana in uh, 2008, and you know there were so many injustices of of how to get your cannabis and, and helping patients and caregivers. And uh, the city of Detroit took it upon itself to open what's called uh, medical marijuana caregiver centers. And I was a f- one of the first to get approved for that medical marijuana caregiver center. And different different counties and different cities had different views on can- cannabis. They were still going after and arresting patients and arresting people that were growing uh, marijuana in their homes. And uh, I lived in, in, in uh in that county, which was Oakland County, and they had uh, a different views than the City of Detroit. The city of so Detroit had is, no problem this, I
0: opened a Well I'm sorry, I didn't mean to can but wait let's slow a second. This seems kind of crazy. Are you telling me that the state passed a medical marijuana law, the city of Detroit then sanctioned dispensaries of which you received a license for but you happen to be in a county that was well didn't didn't sanction the same laws that the state and the city did? Is that what's going on? Correct.
1: Correct. And I was growing in multiple homes in that county under the caregiver law, caregiver patient law, and they took it upon themselves to raid all the homes and charge all the homes together and all the growers, and they charge us all as a continued uh, enterprise. They charge us what they would charge for mafia figures, uh, organized crime, uh, for cocaine and heroin dealers. Uh, Nobody in, in Michigan, nobody in Oakland County has ever been charged just for growing marijuana for a criminal enterprise. I was doing everything right I was depositing money in banks. I was paying taxes. Even the IRS came uh, when they raided us, and the IRS looked at my taxes and, and said, "We don't want to prosecute you." The federal government, federal prosecutor, DEA—they didn't want to prosecute either. Oakland County took it upon themselves and said, "We're we'll prosecuting him. He has a record, and we're going. We're hitting him with the max."
0: Well, you know, 13 then- charges. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but wait in the county. Well, first off, let me go back. The state allowed for personal growth, correct? Correct. And you were you were a a entrepreneur that owned several different houses, right? Correct. Now
1: I I found a niche. I found a niche to make some more money on rental properties. And what I did, I set up the rental properties as girl houses. And I'll put a licensed caregiver in there. All the marijuana is being sold and brought to the dispensary. It's not like we we're selling to uh random people on the streets or, or, or anybody like that.
0: So and and this was so, if you will, in a way, even though the laws were gray, you were following what you thought was the law. Correct. And Absolutely. And the county got angry? I mean, I, I, and, and why? Give me part of the reason why you think that you were, you were singled out and persecuted the way you were.
1: Um, there, there was no, you know, since this a, the medical marijuana law was a voters approved law, there was no state aid to teach the police departments what was right and what was wrong. So everyone was just uh, acting on their own discretion.
0: That's and really figuring out and how they wanted to enforce whatever they wanted to individually force.
1: Absolutely. And they were trying to, I guess, bust all uh, whatever they could. And, and same thing with the prosecutors. The, the prosecutors were also enforcing whatever they wanted. They never, uh, what, you know, the, the, the prosecutors in Wayne County, you know, they were more about murder and guns and stuff like that. No time for marijuana. But Oakland County they have time for marijuana because they don't have them on drugs and murder in their, in their, in their county. So to me, that was their way to go after, uh, and, and make, uh, make their final arrest or, or, or so-called, you know, it's a business.
0: And this, this county was also taking some tax dollars out of you, were they not?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. When they raided me, they didn't charge me with nothing in the beginning. They charged me $150,000 to get my property back, they seized all my properties. After I paid them one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to get my property back, three months later they came and and, and hit me with charges. They weren't going to charge me with anything, supposedly what they said.
0: And then they charged you with uh, uh, give me what, what was the real charge? Was it like conspiracy or something? I I don't really understand. The, the charges
1: were con- continued. For every home we were growing in, they charged me with maintaining a drug house. They charged me with growing over 200 plants, conspiracy of growing over 200 plants, uh, delivery of marijuana, conspiracy of delivery of marijuana, and then two charges of uh, continued criminal enterprise and another charge of uh, conspiracy of continued criminal enterprise.
0: And at the same time... Until, un- huh?
1: Unfortunately, unfortunately, they're having an emergency count. They just rang the emergency buzzer. I have to hang up the phone. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to call you guys back within an hour.
0: Uh, an hour. I'm really kid.
1: sorry about this. It's A horrible, horrible timing.
0: That's okay, my friend. That's okay. And if we can't connect today, we'll get you back and, at another time, and, okay? uh,
1: my, my wife is on there. My wife. I would love for her to speak too. You know, I, I still want to talk about how my son has leukemia, and uh, the new Oakland County prosecutor dismissed all my charges but the judge because i pled guilty the judge couldn't release me and overturn my
0: conviction that's say, what's your wife's name
1: my wife is vita i gotta hang up now vita okay. take over please i'll try to call you guys back in an hour
2: absolutely thank you sir
1: and, and vita please get their contact so we can call them
2: thank you for using gtl i'm um, i'm right here So if you want to ask me any questions, I'm
0: right here. Tell me your first name again. I'm sorry.
2: My name is Vida,
0: V-I-D-A, Gama. Vida. Vida, Gama, were you involved at all? I shouldn't ask you that question. You knew about your husband's business, correct? Of course, yes. And was he doing anything that anybody else in that area wasn't doing? I mean, I'm under the impression that Almost all the dispensary owners were doing the same kind of thing. They had multiple sites that were growing cannabis. And, that, uh,
2: everybody that, was doing the same.
0: And he got singled out.
2: Yes, I think. I mean, I don't want to point a finger at nobody, but I think a couple people that was jealous of what was going on and how organized their business was. Um, I think somebody got rated couple months before. And that's what happened. After that, that's what happened. After that person got raided, three months after we in our house, the police came over at like around five thirty in the morning.
0: And you were growing some plants in your house too, correct?
2: Uh we were growing what it was the the um legal limit in the house, yes. For personal legal.
0: The legal limit being grown in your house and the legal limit he probably set up to be grown in each one of the other residences, right?
2: Yes, the other residents were leased though. Like every whoever was living in the other residences were caregivers, licensed caregivers. And they with their families, they rented the house with the purpose of growing.
0: So on one side, this is a legal enterprise. But then on the other side, the county looked at it as if it wasn't a legal enterprise. But I mean, your husband has now been locked away for 70% of his sentence. How has this impacted your family? Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: The Red Life. I know this is going to become your new favorite podcast, and I'm going to show you how to grow a profitable online company step by step every single week.
2: Well, it's more the impact besides the um, monetary situation because I have uh, I'm a waitress now when my husband is not here, and I take care of the house and the kids. Um, my parents helped me still, um, the other thing, the most, um, uh, how I can say it, The worst thing that happened to us now that he's not around is that my kids, they got lack of support of their, their father. They're always been so attached to him. Uh, we have a 19 year old, a an eight year old and a seven year old, and the seven year old has leukemia. Uh he got diagnosed with leukemia last year on his birthday. And we need Rudy to be home to go to the hospital for look uh for chemotherapy treatments where my son doesn't feel good when he comes home from the uh chemotherapy treatments. He wants his dad. Um and he's a boy too. I feel like he needs that discipline from the father. Um, my little daughter, she's daddy's girl. Thank God, because of the phones in the prison, thank God. That's one of the things that we still together. My kids don't forget about their father. They're very still attached to them. We visit them every week if we can. Now with COVID, we can visit them as how the visits were before COVID. We could touch them. We'll we could we could hug them and kiss them. Uh, now there's none of that. We go to visit with a mask on. Um, no contact visit. Even though we still can say bye and hi with a hug, the whole visit is we don't supposed to touch each other. Um, stuff like that. It bothers. it affected a lot in that in that matter in the our family structure. Um, were you able? Were you able
0: maybe, to maintain? Were you able to keep the business up and running when he left? Or
2: I know he No, said no, it, no. When he left, before he, before we, before he even got tried, before the uh, he plea, uh, the his plea, and everything, he had to sell the business because we. I mean, he couldn't be involved in that kind of that business.
0: Or he, he couldn't let you take
2: over. No, he couldn't because I would have. Being involved. i mean i'm i'm mexican i'm not a, a us citizen i'm i'm a alien resident so i couldn't take that kind of big responsibility especially cuz um our president wasn't having it and and i would not be scared too, to to have any immigration um problems because of it
0: are you hoping that Rudy gets released in an early release program? I know right now there's a petition into the governor to see if um, she can. Yeah,
2: I'm hoping everything goes well, and the governor accept his um, commutation. We've been going through. We've been going through different people to ask for help for him to be released, like the prosecutor, like. Um, the old prosecutor too, but she was very like um conservative conservative, so she couldn't ever help Rudy to come home. Uh I think Rudy's record to criminal record doesn't help. Um, but his criminal I don't know, every every door that we've been
0: sorry, his criminal record didn't stop the state from giving him a license.
2: No. No, the criminal record Didn't stop him for the city actually for giving my license. Everything that he did, he always went and get a permit for whatever he needed for to make sure the the store was open legally. You know, never we never sold to a undercover. And I said never we because I used to work there too as a receptionist or whatever is needed. So we never opened the door for somebody that wasn't medically licensed to purchase marijuana or any kind of uh, uh, paranaquinalia or anything. So we really don't understand if we did, he did everything right or what it was right by then. Like you say, it was gray areas that people were taking advantage of, not just him. Um, and suddenly, for some reason, one morning, somebody just threw him at the door.
0: That's absolutely insane. And, you know, how is your son doing now?
2: My son doing better. He's on the remission right now. Thank God. But he's still take, uh chemotherapy treatment every day at my house. Now I don't have to take him to the hospital. But I still have to take him to the hospital every three months. His, um, his treatment go all the way to December next year. December 2022, and but he's uh, overall he's good. Like I said, he's a boy, so there's nothing that take that from him. He's jumping, he's playing every day. He go to school,
0: and I'm I'm sure. You, well, I was going to say I'm okay. sure that you guys, are, your family, has been extremely happy and excited about the fact that the last prisoner project decided to take on rudy's case are you not
2: yeah we're happy we actually we've been talking to mary a lot we we have like a little friendship relationship with mary which by the way rudy himself finds the way to talk to somebody from the last prisoner project
0: okay all right well you know, um, Vita, uh, I, I um I gotta say thank you and I'm so sorry your family is going through this and you know I hope that this is resolved and resolved quickly.
2: Thank you. Thank you for you guys' time and thank you for having us and help us at least to, to put this out there so people know what's going on.
0: Absolutely and and just so you know, what we're gonna do is we're gonna reach out to the Last Prison Project, get somebody from their legal team on to answer some more of these questions we'll meld these two together and make a solid podcast out of it. And maybe when, you know, at a later date, we could definitely get within the next couple of weeks, we can get Rudy back on when he, you know, is not being called away for a lockdown.
2: Of course. Of course. He, he will tell me at time. That was just probably an emergency, but hopefully soon we can do this again.
0: Absolutely. Let's try to do this. Okay. Well, hey guys, look, Rudy just got called away because I guess they're doing a count in the prison. So, joining us right now to help me talk about his situation. Is the executive director and the general counsel to the last prison project, Miss Sarah Gersten? Sarah, thanks so much for being here. You've done. Uh, I, I, I thanks for filling in right this second. We're going to get Rudy back on um, as soon as we can. Um, but maybe you can help us understand. I, I'm finding it really tough to understand. What really happened to him? You have a state that passes legislation that says that it is legal to sell medicinal marijuana. You have a city, or I guess he was given a license to do the same, though administratively they hadn't worked out all of the detail. And then he gets persecuted for their lack of detail. Is that right?
3: That's exactly right, Montel. Unfortunately, when Michigan passed their Medical Marijuana Act, they did not pass the kind of clear regulations that operators really needed to stay compliant because there was no clear understanding of what compliance meant in the state prior to them actually passing those regulations. So in order for patients who so desperately needed medical cannabis in the intervening years after passing medical marijuana, but not passing the regulations, operators like Rudy were trying to fill that gap, but unfortunately only were able to operate quasi legal dispensaries because there simply were no clear regulations from the state.
0: But when we say, I mean, I I appreciate the way you said it, quasi-legal, because they were given licenses from some municipality, correct?
3: Absolutely. And Rudy was licensed by the city of Detroit.
0: So being licensed by the city of Detroit. And I, I do understand he was skirting that little fine line when he, you know, because he had multiple residences that were his own that he owned, but he allowed them to be rental properties each person that was contracted to be a rental renter in his properties was a person who was then designated a caregiver which means that they were under another part of the law that allows them to grow a certain amount but they were growing a certain amount and giving it just to rudy to be able to sell in the dispensary which would have made it more legal than going to the black market and getting product to sell in this dispensary so he's using the legal gray line to fill his dispatcher. I just, it seems just ridiculous that the prosecutors went after him this way.
3: And that's exactly the issue. We are not arguing that Rudy did nothing illegal, right? I think it's of course, unfortunate that there really wasn't an opportunity at the time for him to be operating a fully compliant dispensary because as we've said, the state really made that impossible for operators. But what we're saying is that Rudy's sentence is incredibly unjust. As you've stated, this was a city sanctioned dispensary. It was only providing cannabis to documented medical patients that had a medicinal need for this plant. And yet he's got a sentence of 66 months to 30 years so much longer than the kinds of sentences that we see for violent offenses in the state of Michigan. And that's what we're trying to call out with Rudy's case is the injustice of that sentence.
0: And just the fact that in this state, this is a state that was taking tax that payer dollars, tax dollars out of him. This is a state that was reaping benefit from what he was doing. They even
3: fined him and got more benefit. Then they turn around and throw him in jail. Exactly. And at the time, the state's already has this robust medical industry. Now, when you look at the legal landscape in Michigan, we have full adult use. The state is bringing in millions of dollars just in tax revenue from that industry and at the same time is refusing to redress the sentences for people like Rudy under a legal scheme that has so obviously changed. For something that public policy and attitudes have so clearly shifted in the state of Michigan to understand that this is not something that should be criminalized and certainly should not be criminalized so harshly as we've seen in Rudy's case.
0: And Rudy wasn't alone in this. this, were, Were there other people incarcerated the same way Rudy was?
3: Absolutely. And we've, you know, spoken before about one case that luckily, we were able to secure freedom for Michael Thompson last year. Um, But he was exactly the same situation where you have someone, you know, this was pre the medical act, but someone who is a nonviolent offender selling cannabis. And as you know, Michael got a de facto life sentence in that state. And not only was that harsh at the time that sentence was meted out, but the state, again, has done nothing to go back and provide relief to those individuals under those sentences, even though the law has changed. And we know that there are hundreds of other individuals in DOC custody in Michigan, in state custody for nonviolent cannabis offenses.
0: Now, do you think, I mean, Rudy's case will be something I guess the governor is, has accepted the application What do you think the governor is going to do in this particular case? I mean, I don't understand why she just doesn't go back in and say anybody from this day forward who was a car, you're out. Just skip it.
3: That really is the goal. And that is what we're pushing for in several states, not just Michigan, but any state that has fully legalized cannabis. That categorical clemency should be granted for anyone who is currently incarcerated for nonviolent cannabis offenses. I hope that Governor Whitmer can understand the need for that kind of relief in the state of Michigan. And of course, it's hopeful that she's commuted the sentence of someone like Michael, other drug offenders in the state of Michigan. Um, And I'm hopeful knowing that the parole board is starting to take up commutation cases again, including Rudy's, that that's a signal that the governor is taking this issue seriously and thinking about how she can provide that relief for those still incarcerated
0: I mean when you look at the uh, Rudy's case again he had i guess five and a half year to third to, to 30 you said he's already done three and a half come on now I mean why uh, you just want to leave him into five and a half just for the heck of it
3: Right. And especially in a case like Rudy's, where he's already been in jeopardy, being incarcerated amidst COVID. He's already contracted COVID. He has a young son who's dealing with leukemia. His family needs him home. And it makes no sense for Governor Whitmer not to address that, to let him go back to his family. He served more than enough time.
0: Seems to me like, you know, if we look at things called Rico laws and things like that, I mean, the state is a is a a player in this. They receive remuneration from his cannabis sales. So therefore they should be as culpable, meaning the governor, I mean everybody on down, the entire state, whoever touched any of those tax dollars and used them for anything, they are a partner of his, not you know, the the overseer, they should be considered yeah. with him. So, I mean, it, it seems just so ridiculous. I, I know you guys are at the last prisoner project are working on so many different initiatives. And, and that's also one of the biggest problems I think you face, right? That every state is different, correct?
3: Yes, every state has a different regulatory scheme. Some states are enacting the kind of resentencing and expungement legislation that we want to see tied to legalization, but the vast majority are not. And even in states that have enacted resentencing, it's very limited. So someone like Rudy, who unfortunately got multiple counts tied to operating a dispensary, doesn't just have a distribution of marijuana charge. He has, like you said, potentially a racketeering charge, state racketeering, money laundering, conducting a criminal enterprise. And so when the state says we're going to resentence only those who have strictly a cannabis offense, that unfortunately leaves out individuals like Rudy.
0: That's absolutely ridiculous. I'm so glad that we're able to help you in any way that we can with The Last Prisoner Project. And if people wanted to get more information about Last Prisoner Project, where would they go?
3: They can go to lastprisonerproject.org and there you can find more information about Rudy's case, all of the cases that were taken on, and luckily read some of the success stories of individuals that have gone to come home rebuild their lives with their families. And that's really the goal of this organization. So anyone who wants to help achieve that mission, encourage you to go to the website, check it out and get involved in Rudy's case.
0: And of course, I know you won't do it, but I'll do the shameless plug. I mean, come on now, also donate. We need some funding to get this done,
3: correct? Definitely, of course, funding is the lifeblood of us being able to enact these programs. And a big part of what we do is when we are fortunate enough to have folks coming home, we want to ensure they have the financial resources to rebuild their lives. So a ton of our funding goes directly back to our constituents who are coming home, trying to rebuild their lives. Um, And so it's a great opportunity for people to donate directly to those most affected by prohibition.
0: There you go. Well, for sure. I can't say thank you enough, Sarah, for being a part of the show today. And um, we're going to get Rudy back on uh, to finish our interview with him. And then hopefully you'll be able to use this on your website to to let people hear the injustices that are taking place.
3: Well, thank you so much for having me, Montel, and for having Rudy and sharing his story.
0: Absolutely. Well, you guys, well, like you heard, Rudy just got called away for a count in the prison. I don't know why that happened, but he did. But as the magic of editing and and podcasts go, we're able to get Rudy back with us right now. So, Rudy Gamo, thank you so much for being a part of Let's Be Blown with Montel today. And thanks for coming back on, man. Been a tough couple days, huh?
1: Thank you, Montel. Yeah. Last time we talked, they uh, unfortunately blew some kind of emergency count where we all had to lock it down. They do that like once a month. It's kind of an irritating situation.
0: I can I can understand, my friend, and I'm so sorry that uh, we had to put off the, the completion of the interview, but I'm glad you're back, and let's just pick up right where we kind of left off, and we kind of left off with them, you know, you explaining to us what happened and how you wound up in this predicament, and, you know, I, I want to back up just a little bit more and just ask you, first off, you said that they came, they busted you, they took your property. They required that you pay a fine. You pay the fine. You thought it was all done, right?
1: Absolutely. They weren't talking about any charges at all. To them, you know, marijuana, anyone growing marijuana is a money grab, and that's what they were after. They know if they go arrest your heroin, uh, person doing heroin, usually that person doesn't really have any money. For them, it's, uh, if someone's growing marijuana, he's a working-class person, He has a house, most likely has a car. It's uh, it's all a money seizure game to them. So, what they did, they they seized six of my properties and charged me 25 grand for each property. I had to sell one of the properties. I paid 150 grand to the prosecuting office and and made a check out to the prosecuting office and the Oakland County uh, Narcotics Unit. And you got 150 grand. I thought it was done. Three months later. They don't even have the decency to come and call my lawyer. They came and surrounded my house while I was taking my kids to school and came and arrested me in front of my kids and in front of my family.
0: I mean what what went through your mind at that second? Did you say, Come on, are you kidding me? I thought this was all over.
1: Yeah, I said I said, What are you guys I I, I said, what are you guys arresting me for? What kind of charges are there? Oh, we'll wait till you hear the charges. I said, it has to be minimal, it can't be what's it called? How many charges are you to hit me with? They gave me 13 charges, six charges for every grow house I had, maintaining a drug house, uh, growing marijuana, conspiracy growing, delivering marijuana, conspiracy deliver, and then two more of the serious charges were uh, criminal enterprise and, and, and running a uh, conspiracy criminal enterprise, which those charges carry a 20-year max. My oh, bond, oh. Montel, my bond, my bond was set at $2 million.
0: What I, I, you know, and I, I've spoken to some people at the the last prison project who told me that, you know, what is so insane about this is that at the same time, they charge you with things that should have been considered legal since you were operating under a license or under, yeah, under the authority of a municipality, right?
1: Especially in, in Detroit, we had the license. In Oakland County, by state law, you're allowed to grow as a caregiver for your patients. And they had an ordinance where you're, they weren't allowed any dispensaries in Oakland County. And there was another dispensary that... They- you
2: have one minute remaining.
1: It's going to take me about one minute to call you guys back if we do hang up. But they had a, they had another dispensary in Oakland County. They raided, and the person it was a, it was an older lady. She used to be a police dispatcher. They fought her tooth and nail and finally dropped her charge to transporting marijuana. Over two years, they fought with her, and she used to work for the police department. So that's how keen they they were on on charging anyone that went against um, or was with proactive for the the medical marijuana act.
0: I mean, it it almost sounds like it's a setup. They give you the license and then turn right around and bust you. So it's almost like they they are kind of trying to prop you up just to bust you.
1: One city, one city was, and they didn't agree with the state law. And the city of Detroit didn't have no problem; they were giving dispensary licenses. But the uh, the county of Oakland, they didn't have no dispensaries in there. So, you know, how how could you if, if one city's doing it and one city's not?
0: Thank you for using GTL. Hello. Yes, sir. Got you back. Thank you. Hey,
1: so, sorry about that one, Tom.
0: Yeah, no, it's okay. So, we'll
1: just- yeah, and, and it no. was happening like that all over all over the state of Michigan. There was no, there was no education from the state to the police department. I even did a couple seminars and symposiums. I used to go to the police stations with an attorney and do, um, do seminars for them and kind of go over what the law was on. I would take marijuana and I would show them this is what marijuana smells like. This is what it smells like when it's burnt. And, Oakland County Prosecutor's Office hated that I was doing that. So they were really, we even put a, we put a billboard right across the Oakland County building that said uh, oh vote God. not guilty on marijuana convictions and that, that threw them off the edge. They went nuts after that.
0: And that's probably why they, they, they didn't necessarily single you out because there were lots of others arrested near the same time. Correct.
1: Correct. Correct. But and in some sort, they did single us out because was there were, one? at the at oh, the time they arrested ass, me, now there was, Vita, can you put it on mute, please? At the time they arrested me, there was 200 other dispensaries operating in the city of Detroit.
0: Absolutely insane. Doing the
1: same exact thing. Everybody was growing under the caregiver statute, under the medical marijuana law, and they were selling to patients at the dispensaries. Anytime you come to the dispensary, you had to had a patient card. We do a thorough check on you. Um, we, you know, I never got caught selling to an undercover, somebody that was a non-patient. Um, we had a sign on the dispensary that said free legal help. I was paying for people because people were still getting arrested for um, the medical marijuana if they were having medicine on them. Driving, there was no, there was no uh, law on on if you how how much marijuana you could drive with or if you smoked when you, when you smoked if you were still high in driving. There was no law on, on any of that. So people were still getting arrested. And we were I was paying for attorneys, a couple of attorneys that I worked with, that I still work with, one named Barton Morris, he's the head of the cannabis legal group, and we would pay for their their services. All free of charge to the patients.
0: Well, buddy, I mean, do you do you have any hope that you will get released early?
1: Yeah, hopefully. Right now, uh, the governor has started my commutation process, and uh, I, I did my initial interview on October 11th. So we're waiting right now. I'm waiting for a public hearing. If the parole board has interest to release me, they will they will give me a public hearing and they will make a recommendation to the governor saying, you know, what my guidelines should be or or, or whatsoever. So the governor is the one who has the final say.
0: Governor Gretchen Whitmer.
1: Governor, what is that?
0: I'm sorry, that's at the state level. Can the county, I mean, do you have to do something at the county level too?
1: I had, no. I, I went, thank God, the prosecutor, the newly elected prosecutor for Oakland County, Her name is Karen McDonald. She's pro-marijuana. She's a beautiful person inside and out. She dismissed all my charges, and we put a joint motion together to the judge back in June. The judge dragged me down there. I went in front of him, brought my family in front of him and everything, and he said, I'm sorry. I I cannot release you because you pled guilty, and um, he cannot overturn a guilty plea without either newly discovered evidence or retroactive change in the marijuana law, which unfortunately in Michigan's recreational law, there was no retroactive change. That means anyone who uh, had any kind of marijuana felonies before the, the law went and re- recreational, their cases would have been dismissed or expunged. So unfortunately he couldn't do anything, but he did note that he would, he would not object if I went to Legislative Avenue and asked for the uh, governor, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, to use her clemency powers to commute my sentence. And the prosecutor, bless her heart, she reached out to the governor, she reached out to the parole board, and they started my commutation process. So right now, the fight's not over. We still need all the support and letters to pour into the governor's office to um, ask for my release.
0: Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. I mean, what can people do? What else can they do to help you out? I know your family probably is in need of financial support. Absolutely. Um,
1: financial support, thank God I have family around. Thank God our um, my wife works and, and the house is, uh, we, we do have our, our house is paid off. She doesn't have a problem with paying the mortgage or anything. I do have um, uh, five five siblings that uh, help us out financially. And um, thank God my, my, my kids are well and everyone's well and blessed. My son does have leukemia. He's been fighting it for a year. He's going through chemotherapy, a two year chemotherapy. Um, you know, that's what I need to get home to. And because of the pandemic, they've restricted all, uh, visits, everything in the prison is restricted. This prison is crumbling, just like out there. There's a shortage of jobs. Uh, The correction officers here don't want to work anymore. And they're all overstressed, mandated. They're releasing people slowly.
0: You know, I mean, Rudy, I, I, so
1: no, I, I, I do ask, I do ask whoever is listening to this if they can write our governor, or they can write the chief deputy legal counsel. His name is Mark Trotten. He's the one that um, approves the commutation and discusses it with the governor. He's the main person. Again, that's a uh, chief deputy legal counsel for Governor Gretchen Whitner Whitmer. His name is Mark Trotton.
0: Now if when they let you out, you'll be prohibited from going back into the cannabis business, will you not?
1: Um I think that's up to the parole officer. I think if it's a legal business and I'm not you know I'm I'm not abusing it in any way and doing um work. There is a program that Michigan has. It's called the injustice injustice program where if you did have any kind of marijuana felonies on your record, they put you, they expedite your process to, to get a state license in your name. I don't know if they have those pro, I think they have another program that in California and Colorado and Michigan has picked up that process.
0: So you may be able to get out and go back in the business the same way you were, but if you try to go back in the business the way you were, you end up back. Well, no, now that the state has a adult use rec program, how will that affect the right. possibility of you getting back into business?
1: Well, I, I would have to go through that in just program and get a, a state license in my name.
0: Crazy. Anything and else you can share? Before,
1: is, go ahead. Uh, anything else I can share is, um, you know, there's still over 40,000 cannabis prisoners. Um, we still have to fight for them. I, I plan on doing advocacy work for with the last prisoner project. They've been awesome. Uh, Mary Bailey... Sarah Gurdenstein, they've been been at my side and fighting uh, all through the way. They've donated funds to my family. They wrote letters to the judge, spoke with the prosecutor's office. Uh, Also, my attorney, Barton Morris, with Cannabis Legal Group, has been awesome. He accepts my calls anytime, on the weekends, at night. He always picks up the phone for me. I'm thankful for that. And um, really, that's all I can say. And And I hope everyone takes this seriously because... Nobody should be in prison for what's legal and and people are making millions out there in cannabis businesses and there's other people still locked up.
0: You know, I want you to share one more thing and that is just how, how has this affected your relationship with your children?
1: You know, it's a drastically, you know, my children are, um, thank God I, I speak to them every day. I spend all my time talking to them on the phone. I call them when they wake up call them when they come back from school, and call them when when they come back from uh, home. But my wife has a hard time uh, taking care of my son and giving attention to my other kids. You know, they become very independent. Um, but I try to be the voice of reason, and uh, thank God they still love me. They still miss me. We do have visits. They're non-contact visits, and we do video visits. So my wife still brings them up here. We still have a very strong relationship. I paint pictures for them. I send cards. And I I wish every father in prison would do that for their kids because they need that. And then they see, they always tell me, um, you know, in our language, they call me Baba. It's like another word for daddy. They tell me, Baba, we'll always be here for you. Baba, we're going to help mommy. You know, Baba, it's okay that you're in prison. We're going to wait for you. And that's so valuable to me. Um, That's so valuable to me to keep me motivated, to keep me focused on out there and, and not... Uh, focused on what's going on in here.
0: And I mean, now I asked the question, could you get back into the cannabis industry or has this tainted you now and made you want to try to figure out a different business to get into? Or, or are you thinking about, you know, I,
1: I've done definitely I've done construction all my life. If I did get in the cannabis industry, it would be more in the real estate aspect of it. You know, buying properties, fixing them up and selling them as licensed, uh, licensed cannabis the game the, the the cannabis game is so saturated and um it's very um uh it's very saturated right now. There's so many uh corporate entities that are getting in and buying all the little guys out. I don't think it would it would be any money to it. But um, I'm always gonna advocate for prisoners I advocate for uh, cannabis prisoners especially. But uh, definitely I'm gonna go back into the real estate and construction uh construction market. I know it's safe I can't take any chances losing my family again or, or or being away from them again. I already missed four years of, of too many milestones in their life. And it's a killer, especially now with the pandemic. You know, for 18 months, I didn't see them. They just started the, the non-contact visits two months ago. So a, a whole year and a half, I went without seeing them, just talking to them on the phone.
0: That's insane. Well, it's stories like yours ready to prove yep. that legalization alone does not repair this long-standing injustices and disproportionate enforcement of our legal system resulting in, um, in the war on drugs like this. I mean, lawmakers and elected officials. Absolutely. Michigan, lawmakers and elected officials in Michigan must do their part to ensure with legalization comes a system for rectifying nonviolent cannabis convictions. I certainly hope that the parole board and the governor Literally takes immediate action to commute your sentence, Rudy, and hope that you can get home as the soon Governor as you family.
1: The gov-, Go gov Governor Gretchen Whitmer used this so strong in her campaign. She said it in her campaign, Oh, we're gonna free everyone, I'm gonna use my clemency powers. She only released one person so far. She did she did do the Clean Slate Act, but that's for everybody that was out of prison, out of jail, and has finished with their um, sentence or active conviction. She could have used her clemency powers during the pandemic and released everybody in the innocent, whoever was in, was in prison for marijuana. I don't know why she didn't do it, but um, I, I hope that um, the marijuana community really uh, has a keen eye on if she tries to use this as her campaign slogan. Um, you and I both know that the marijuana community organizations Marijuana businesses have big money behind them that comes with big donations, and I hate when politicians use that and say, "Oh, we're going to do this for marijuana, we're going to do this for marijuana," and and they don't do anything to get those donations and those big businesses to donate to them and take their side.
0: You know, we've, I've we've seen, seen that it, firsthand. We've seen it at the national level, also. I mean, again, remember, we had a president and vice president. Absolutely, Rand, they were going to do something in the first hundred days. And here here we are sitting at, you know, close to 200 days and there's been nothing and no movement at all. So I think that local yeah. politicians are doing I, nothing. I'm
1: not, a, I'm not a Democrat or Republican. President Trump has done more for the people in prison with the First Step Act and released cannabis f- offenders than any other president has done. Uh, I yeah. applaud him for that. And I just hope that, like I said, I hope these other politicians that use cannabis in their in their campaign slogan that they, they, they go in and, and uh, you know, accomplish their goals and,
0: and do what they're going to say. Or say what they're going to do. I mean, I'm sorry. You do have what one this. minute remaining. Really, I got to say thank you so Absolutely. much. Garth. Stay safe in there.
1: Thank you, Montel. And, and I, 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 I hope you do the same. I hope you get, get in contact with Mary Bailey and uh, send a letter out to the governor. And you guys can reach out to my wife or my name on Facebook. If you guys need anything or Mary Bailey. Um thank you so much for hearing what I have to say and having me on your podcast.
0: And I want to thank all of our listeners to Let's Be Blood and Montel for spending the time listening to your story and hopefully they'll do just what you asked. Tell them again where do you want the letters to go to?
1: The letter needs to go to the Chief Deputy Counsel for Governor Gretchen Whitmer at the state of Michigan in Lansing. And his name? Uh, his name is Mark Trotton, Chief Deputy Counsel. Mark Trotten for Governor Gretchen Whitmer.
0: Okay, my friend, we'll do that and we'll keep plugging away. Thank you, Martel. Supporting you as much as we can, sir. You stay well. Blessings to your family. Got
1: it. And hopefully I talk to you soon.
0: Thank you for using. Well, as you can see, we just lost Rudy again. And, um, you know, that's because of the way that they allow him only, you know, a certain amount of time per phone call uh, each time that he, he gets the call out. But it's so good that he was able to share his story with us today. And I think it makes you understand that, you know, as as draconian as some of these laws are, we need to get beyond this. And politicians need to stop paying lip service to, you know, claiming that they're going to support cannabis causes when they truly don't. I mean, I think it's absolutely an abomination that Rudy is in prison. It almost seems like to me that he was set up, given a license, told to operate just so that they could turn around and bust him for doing what they told him he could do legally. Um, It's time for all of these laws across the country to change. And it's time for us to hold these politicians accountable. You know, don't make a promise if you're not going to actually stand up and support the promise that you made. We wish Rudy Gamo the best, hope that the governor does take on his case and commutes his sentence Let's him out. He's been sitting in there now for three and a half years on a five and a half year to 30 year sentence. And he's done his time. He's paid his debt. Tenfold, I think. So it's time to let this man go home to his family and become a contributing member of our society again. I can't thank you enough for being a part of Let's Be Blood with Montel. I want to make sure you continue to tune in. Make sure you continue to listen to the stories and the things that we bring you. And, you know, all you got to do is hit the little subscribe button down at the bottom. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you feel. And if you can, reach out, write a letter on Rudy's behalf. I'll see you on the next Let's Be Bum and Montel.